I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. In this third season, I've taken the theme from season one, which was called The Holistic Healing Connection, and merged it with a theme from season two of The Dragonfly Connection. So now, join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. If you're serious about changing your life, you'll find a way. If you're not, you'll find an excuse. I'll just let that sink in for a second. Because who else has been guilty of this? You can't see me raising my hand. (laughs) But I definitely have. And this quote is my guest Christian Reber's favorite from Jen Cincero. Christian is not only one of my new favorite people, he is also a health and mindset coach with a huge knowledge base. I mean, this guy knows a lot of really useful things. He's an author, a mountain bike skills instructor, a music lover, a health foodie, and an unconventional perspective oracle. His mission in life is to help people transform their lives, their health, and their mindsets in profound and unforeseen ways. Christian once struggled through life and ended up diagnosed with psoriasis, a horrible autoimmune disease. Psoriasis opened his eyes to the toxic, disconnected, symptom-based medical system that has everyone convinced it should be trusted unconditionally. I really hope through listening to this conversation, I hope it opens your eyes too. It's especially important right now. Working with holistic practitioners helped Christian heal his own wellness challenges while inspiring him to help others with theirs. Transforming his limiting beliefs and failed mindset, he says, changed him into the person he was always meant to be. I really hope this conversation helps you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life too in this new year and beyond. And just one more thing before we get started. This podcast is a passion project. I do love doing it, but it's a one-woman production crew from start to finish, a lot of work, and I don't make any money doing it. So if you like what you hear and you want to keep hearing it, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. And if you'd like to go a step further, check out my Patreon page. The link is at the bottom of the show notes, or you can search for the Dragonfly Connection on patreon.com. By becoming a patron, you get one-on-one access to an online community, access to me and some of my show guests, and an online self-improvement book club, and more. Thank you so much for all of your support. I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy this episode. How are you doing? Pretty darn good. We just got about a foot of snow overnight. I live near Buffalo, New York, which is, uh-huh. I suppose, somewhat famous for snow. So got some shoveling to, to do for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess you guys are famous for snow, for sure. Um, Well, welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so my first question for you is going to be where are you located, but you already said that. So how long have you been in Buffalo? Uh, Well, I grew up in this area. Um, I lived in um, Colorado for 11 years after college, Mm -hmm. and then my family was growing rapidly, uh, and, and I decided to move back home you know, family. I I have no children, but I am happily connected with my life partner, Julie. And she has two teenage boys, but uh, okay, that all works. 
Yeah. Well, that's a challenge. I, um, you know, my husband came into me and my son's life when he was a teenager. So, um, yeah, children, whether they come to you biologically or not, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And teenagers are challenging. So good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Um, they're great kids, you know, it's it's surprisingly sort of without very much challenge from my end. They're, they're just great kids. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you're blessed then. Um, hey, so a while back, I look, I looked through your Instagram, like I like to do to kind of get to know you a little bit more before we actually talk. You posted something about scheduling fun. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you do for fun? Um, I love riding my bike. So we have these incredible things called fat bikes they're just humongous tires that will let you ride in the snow and the sand and and other places where a normal bike wouldn't go yeah uh, so that that keeps me off the couch and uh you know keeps no me excuses playing yeah um, you, can, you can bike in any weather okay so biking playing yeah what else yeah um i have amassed a, a significant collection of uh, vinyl records and so I love to just throw a couple records on and and sit and listen or jump around and dance or you know really anything that s- still qualifies as as fun on that level I like to get together with friends and family you know the past couple of years have been tougher on that point so it, it's still, you know, you, you make the best of it, I, right. I suppose, like any situation. Yeah. I like to just sort of get out in nature, not necessarily on the bike, mm-hmm. but take hikes or, you know, visit cool places that have cool natural features. I like to check out waterfalls and I don't know, I'm sort of drawing a blank, but that's okay. No, that's a lot of stuff. Okay. You have a good list. So because you like to bike and you just mentioned nature as well. Why do you think it's important for you personally to get out in nature? And I was, I'm asking this because I actually just had this conversation with my husband recently of like why it's, it's important to us, but I want to know why it's important to you. Sure. Um, I guess that's where I feel most at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel more grounded I'm able to be in the moment yeah. more easily and, and to experience the now rather than worrying about something in the future or, or looking back on things that happened to me in the past mm-hmm. by observing and uh, being present in nature. I just feel like that's where I belong. Yeah. Unfortunately, not everybody gets the opportunity to go in nature at all. If, you know, if not very often, but think it's important for all of us you know we, we it's just when we're out there we're we're really connected to nature <laughs> the source yeah. of everything right I so I want to um I want to ask you this and I'll talk I'll say my for my husband again because uh he is a very avid biker but he he just has a hard time finding time to do it I'll go back to what you said on your Instagram page about scheduling it how do you personally go about scheduling fun um, every night within about an, a half an hour or so before I go to bed, I like to just sort of plan out the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I call it by the minute, but I, I don't really go that far. If you know what I mean? <laughs> I, so, I was starting to get a little uh, anxious there. I was like, by the minute. Okay. All right. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I suppose that's just what I call it. What that allows me to do is like 
prioritize what I have going on, it really helps me stay away from the to-do list. I don't know. It's, it's sort of like jail. Like if I have a to-do list and I'm powering through everything on the list, mm-hmm. like finding time to, to have fun is virtually impossible. I, I think society has taught us through many different types of messages that you have to get the, the important stuff done first before right, fun like funds ready. a reward yeah yeah rewards. exactly yeah and so if we honor our bodies minds and inner beings whether that's a soul or however you know the, the wording is for that mm-hmm. if we're honoring those things and considering them important then how can laundry be more important than health how can the dishes piling up be more important than um, mental health? And, and so I think that when, when we look at these just fundamentals of who we really are mm-hmm. um, in, in those three main categories, it, it's so much easier to do something for each of those main categories. Usually when I go outside, I'm also getting exercise. So mm-hmm. I get like the the stress benefits of being in nature, but I'm also, you know, moving my body and, and feeling great about that. So that's really what it comes down to is just mm-hmm. sort of like, if I decide that everything's more important than fun, I don't have time for it. If I realize that, that having fun benefits my mind, body, and soul, like then it's, it's so much easier to, to get it on the calendar set aside a little bit of time, even if it's, you know, 20 minutes here, a couple hours there. Um, it, if I can just do something for each of those main categories every day, I just find that I'm lighter, happier. Well, yeah. And like you said, you know, holistically, it helps with all parts of your wellness. You know, I'm sure it helps with your business. I know it helps with your business. It's super important. And you're right. I think so many of us. And we just, you know, are conditioned by society to think that like fun is frivolous or something. And it's so important. So we're going to talk more about wellness here in a second, but I have a really super important question for you. And that is in your vinyl record collection, what do you think is the record you've listened to most? That's tough. I definitely find myself going back to the same ones when I, when I look at my, I I categorize them and into genres and and, Mm -hmm. and I made a list so that when I look at that list, it's sort of like, oh yeah, (laughs) I have that record or, okay. So let me, let me search the memory banks here. I'm guessing you're familiar with the Black Keys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The leader of that band, Dan Auerbach has another group called the Arcs. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of that. And I've been listening a lot to that record. And so it's, it's um, similar to, to the Black Keys, but there's several instruments. And so it's, it's not so bare bones, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been really kind of resonating towards that quite a bit lately. And and Julie loves it too. So sweet (laughs) bonus, right. You can listen to it together. Nice. I'm with you. I don't have a vinyl record collection, but um, music is just brings so much joy to my life. I mean, any kind I can just, I just love, love it. I do believe it's part of my healing journey is to keep 
music in my life. I think it's so helpful for so many of us. So thanks for sharing. Okay. So we are going to dive into your story. And before, so before we talk about all the ways that you help women like me and other women listening to transform our lives, as you say, far beyond our wildest dreams, I want to hear more about your healing journey and how it's inspired you to help others um, with their health and mindset. Sure. I I appreciate that. So um, just about 20, 21, 22 years ago, um, I was diagnosed with psoriasis. And so it's an autoimmune disorder that manifests itself in dry, itchy patches on the skin. Mm -hmm. And so for about 15 years, I went to the dermatologists. Um, I saw probably 12 to 13 of them over the years. And they all had the same exact message. You know, it's incurable. Just hearing that word was really, I don't know, I don't know that it's, it was depressing, but that's the word that's coming to mind. So mm. it, it's enough. And defeating. Um, you know, it was, it yeah. just felt horrible. And so at, at my worst, I was, you know, 80 to 90% covered on my skin with these itchy, dry, red patches that, that were painful and hideous to look at, you know, so I'd be in long pants and long sleeves on a hot summer day mm-hmm. just to cover up and, and keep from appearing like this sort of leopard boy to, to people who I ran into. Right. Because um, a lot of people don't really, I mean, psoriasis is pretty common an autoimmune disease, it seems to be pretty common. Um, unfortunately, I do know quite a few people that have, that suffer from it. So I'm really excited to talk to you more about that, but yeah, people don't understand it. And so they see you covered in these scaly patches and I, you know, yeah, there's like, what's wrong. And then it makes you feel like you said you're like a leper. So that's how you were walking around for how many years? The first several years, it was just sort of under my my clothes, like on my torso, my underarms, you know, the areas like that. So I, I didn't really have to worry about it, but at my worst, yeah, it was everywhere. You know, I was, I was trying to avoid the pharmaceuticals because, you know, the, the most effective ones were steroids and everything I had ever learned about steroids is that the long-term effects can be debilitating and horrible. So I was just trying to stay uh, away from them as much as possible, but then it sort of left me, you know, further covered with, with these problem areas. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to say six, maybe seven years ago, I went to my last dermatologist appointment wow. and he was saying, you know, you've been struggling with this for a while and it's getting pretty bad. What do you think if I prescribe you Humira? any sort of immune suppressor drug contradicts everything I've ever learned about science. Um, I've always been fascinated with science since a young age. I got my forestry degree and moved out to Colorado and, and uh, worked in environmental science for several years. And just in reading what I'm, you know, interested in, I learned quite a bit about um, the human body and, and the science around that and everything I'd ever learned said suppressing the immune system is, is the wrong path. So I I didn't have much interest in discussing or debating that with him. I (laughs) left the office. (laughs) Yeah. That's a frustrating, uh, 
conversation to have with people like dermatologists for sure. (laughs) So So you left a little frustrated. I did. And, and I guess more than frustrated, I was determined. Mm, Okay, good. I knew that continuing on this path that I'd been on for 15 or 16 years was not getting me what I wanted. It wasn't getting me very much relief. Everything I was using to manage it was man-made and my body was just not reacting well to that stuff. Yeah. Um, So I dove back into researching on the internet and in the past I, I had always just sort of come up with the same stuff you know every major health organization including the the WHO and the Mayo Clinic and you name it you know all of these main uh, health resource places all had the same message um, one day I, I just was sort of angry. <laughs> and I, I went through each and every one of those like uh, most common and, and famous sources for health information. And I found one sentence that related to how, what we eat could be part of the problem. One sentence. Oh one my sentence. God. And so I was lucky enough to sort of just stumble a- across this protocol that a, a guy who suffered a you know, similar history as mine. He had actually suffered for 20 years before he started trial and error with mm-hmm. um, food, water, uh, moving the body and, and several other things. And what he found is that like other autoimmune disorders, there's sort of a, a hidden cause. We, as a, the medical industry separates each of the autoimmune disorders into um different ailments because they have different symptom sets. What more and more research is coming up with is that rather than having crappy genes that led to the psoriasis, the genes determine which ailment we're harbored with if we overload the system with toxins. Mm -hmm. And so with psoriasis, when the kidneys and liver can't keep up with the toxin load, the toxins make their way to the skin as a way to just get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the surface of the skin, the immune system attacks the toxins, killing off lots of skin cells in the process. And so what it looks like from the symptom-based uh, system of medicine that we have, it looks like the immune system is simply attacking the skin. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it's classified as, as an autoimmune disorder. And that's how they can very easily just say, you know, it doesn't really matter how this happens. You need to, to treat the problem at the symptom site. Right. Which, which of yeah. course is how the entire medical system is, is yeah. built. It's built on this symptom-based stuff. Mm-hmm. It took a couple months after changing my diet, filtering water, getting rid of toxic body care products, cleaning products. So it was several difficult steps like they were all very simple uh, but they weren't easy you know (laughs) yeah coming from a place like buffalo which is also famous for chicken wings and pizza and beef on whack and like all these just not healthy foods yeah Um, my typical diet wasn't fast food but it also wasn't healthy in in any real way Mm -hmm. um and so making those changes was, was really tough, but 
at this point, I mean, I can, I can say confidently that I'm, I'm sort of lucky it was psoriasis um, that manifested out of this and, and woke me up because if it was hidden in some way mm-hmm. and just sort of eating me from the inside out, I likely would never have noticed. I never would have made major health changes and I probably would have been headed for a relatively early grave of suffering poor health through the end of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after a couple of decades of, of hating psoriasis, I now have sort of an appreciation for it because it, oh, it that's really beautiful. helped me change yeah. my life. And so after, you know, starting to clear out my skin and finally having hope for the first time, it, it occurred to me that, that there has to be a, a lot of people who are sort of stuck in this system and who would really benefit from gaining the perspective that, that this, this guy gave me in, mm-hmm. in his protocol. So I started working with an old friend from high school and she was, was in the, the essential oil diffuser business okay. and it was growing pretty volcanically. And, and so she asked me to jump on board with her. And, and I started working with diffusers and essential oils. And then I learned a ton about the oils and the, the way that you can sort of replace OTCs that are not safe and replace them with something that are typically safe as long as they're used correctly. Mm-hmm. And so rather than going the route of, of trying to like build a business out of the oils and, and, I just wanted to learn what certified aromatherapists view these things as. And and there are plenty of essential oil reps out there who, you know, they, they just sort of spout a bunch of stuff that they'd never really researched. (laughs) And I I wanted to, to really get to the core of these things Mm -hmm. and really get a sense for like, okay, what, what are they actually useful for? And what is there absolutely no evidence to support? And so it, it, it helped me kind of dial in a better um, sense for, for that. And, you know, so I had people in my life on one side who were like, these are the, the most amazing thing in the world. There's no better way to treat health challenges than essential oils. And so over time, I learned that medicinal herbs are a great choice for some people. Essential oils are a great choice for other people. Food as medicine is... Um, likely the best choice of them all. Yeah. And so once I started to discover more of a 360 degree view of health and and wellness, then it became clear that essential oils were a great tool, um, but they weren't, you know, the end all be all that, that they're painted to be. So from that point, I decided to get uh, certified as a coach. I guess the premise there is like, I, I wanted to be able to steer people in the direction that would best serve them. Mm-hmm. Steering everyone toward essential oils wasn't serving them or me and right. you know, didn't make much sense. So now the these tools are just a great support for my for my clients and I can I can help them kind of get away from toxins in their lives by using essential oils for cleaning and body care and mm-hmm. uh, and that type of thing you know, first suffering with psoriasis was sort of like the first step. Yeah. And then essential oils were kind of the, the next step. And then I realized there's so much more when, when I went through my, my coaching training, mm-hmm. 
after the, the training, it became clear that really many of the challenges that people face are sort of surface. Like if, if you ask someone what the biggest challenge is in their life, they're going to offer something that is relatively on the surface. In other words, you know, I, I need to get more exercise. I need to lose a few pounds. I need to have better relationships with friends and family. And what I now see is like those challenges are really symptoms of a bigger challenge. And so what's coming out in coaching people through challenges is that there is almost always something deeper. Neglect as a child can really essentially be a, a sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that type of longstanding trauma leads to these other symptoms that manifest them, themselves as challenges themselves. Right. Um, well, you know, I, um, I study a lot about trauma because myself have CPTSD and actively working through that and helping other people. And I read a lot that it is, I don't, I don't know the percentage, maybe you do, I don't know, uh, of people that have trauma in their life. It doesn't have to be PTSD or anything, you know, just a really big incident of some sort of trauma end up developing autoimmune disease. There's like a really concrete connection between the two. Have you heard that or read that? Yeah. And so a lot of that, it's like autoimmune disorders are rooted in stress, mm-hmm. which stress is a big, big uh, result of trauma. Yeah. Um, and then environmental factors. So mm-hmm. exposure to toxins, including heavy metals and that type of thing. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that one bit. I mean, yeah, stress is, it's sort of perceived as this like, eh, you know, everybody's stressed. Yes. But You're right. the, the reality is that it causes like significant and major health problems and avoiding those is virtually impossible if you're highly stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there are other examples of that connection that I've heard about. Stress stands out as the most obvious. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's a big one. And again, we're going to go back to like what society tells us. It's, it's almost like society says stress is normal. Yeah. You know, and I mean, some level is obviously, but it's not healthy and it's not, it's stuff, it's something we need to work through and not just go, oh, you know, everybody's stressed and then just leave it at that. Sure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you, I I just want to jump in. It kind of sounds like we're leading to like mindset because you are not only just, uh, you know, health as far as, I mean, mindset goes into that, right? But, you know, physical health, it's holistic, which includes the mindset. And you're also a mindset coach. So how did you bridge all this together? You decided to become a health coach and then you were realizing it was deeper. I kept coming across these common themes. Mm -hmm. And it's like people were stuck believing things about themselves, about the world and about other people. Yeah. That from the time they learned this thing they believe to the current time, that belief has never been true. So things like I'm not good enough mm-hmm. or, you know, I have to, to struggle to make money. I have to work like crazy to, to make a relationship work. And these types of beliefs 
can influence our decision-making in such profound ways that we sort of self-sabotage ourselves. Yeah. And so when I talk to someone who thinks they're not good enough in general, then it's really hard for that person to think they're good enough in any specific area, Mm -hmm. you know, so sort of diving into the real reasons behind the things that they believe and putting, you know, a magnifying glass on them and then looking at them closely so that we can say, okay, well, out of this conversation, I'm gathering that you, you just don't think you're good enough. And it might not be, you know, something they're fully aware of. Um, you know, the, the, the subconscious is the thing that typically makes decisions in our lives, which is why change is so difficult. Mm-hmm. The subconscious has these beliefs that if we were asked straight out without conversation, we'd be like, no, nah, I don't believe that. But then diving a little deeper, it, it can be ferreted out that there are some beliefs there and, and the term limiting beliefs is, is becoming very common nowadays. It's, yeah. it's really just so common for people to believe things about themselves that, that aren't really Not real. True. Yeah. In your application, you actually said, um, what we think is holding us back in life is typically not what's holding us back. I'm assuming you're kind of talking about that, you know, the limiting beliefs. Yeah. Do you have more to say about that? Like what are some ways that someone could start to fix that? I guess even. Sure. From, from what I can tell the the first step in change is awareness. Yes. And so if we can become aware of our decision-making and become willing to, to ask ourselves questions about that decision-making, then we can kind of get a little bit deeper into what's causing the challenge and, and, you know, those limiting beliefs can directly affect decision-making without awareness around the belief. It's just, people might say things like, well, you know, that that's the type of person I am, or that's how I was raised, or um, I'm just that way. But Mm -hmm. what they're really saying about that specific situation is that there's no decision to be made. So when there's no decision to be made, then we're handcuffed into doing everything the way we always have. Yeah. And when we do things the way we always have, we get the same results we've always gotten. That's really what I run into very often. And, and certainly what I experienced in my own mindset transformation, I had gobs of limiting beliefs about myself Yeah, that, you know, and, and they were, I believed people who I trusted in my life, in my youth. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they told me a bunch of stuff that wasn't true is their fault because someone told them those same things to create their beliefs, you know? And so breaking the chain of that stuff, you know, whether it's a generational belief or, you know, that type of thing, you know, an, an example of that is like, you have to make sure that you don't show emotion in public situations mm-hmm. that's a common um, one for men especially yeah and that's so not good <laughs> yeah so the one allowable emotion is moderate happiness 
If you're <laughs> over sad. the top happy, that's not okay either. Right. You know, and so it's it's like we're allowed one emotion. <laughs> and and to think that that is, you know, serving us in any way mm-hmm. to, to be limited to that. Um, so that that's just sort of an example of a generational belief or, yeah. or lesson that's passed down um, over and over again and and then to acquaintances and friends and um, and then it just keeps spreading. A lot of those generational beliefs are rooted in what society's trying to teach us. yeah and when I hear about something that society's trying to teach us, I almost always just fall back on well that that sort of has to be untrue. I'm not aware of any, society's lessons <laughs> other than the basics of human decency right yeah and, and society doesn't teach us a ton about that anyway no I was like <laughs> um, we don't learn that from society unfortunately either <laughs> uh and so it's like other than it's wrong to kill people you know it's like <laughs> these these like right. fundamental obvious lessons like you don't need right. to teach me that I already know because I'm just I'm human right. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and uh that's the type of thing that that we're faced with is mm-hmm. we have to deal with the fact that there are tons of messages with limiting beliefs attached to them um, yeah well I want to say like even what your doctor told you that's you talk about messages of limiting beliefs he said you're this is incurable you're gonna have it forever just take this drug for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's a limiting, that is super limiting. So you chose to not let that be your reality and expand and find something new. I was going to ask a really good question that has now slipped my mind. Yeah. Like your mindset. Um, Do you think that when you learned to, to be, become more aware and release those limiting beliefs and change your mindset do you think you know it helped your your physical health as well that's a great question um yeah I'm sure of it because I I had the belief that I didn't need to take care of my body Mm -hmm. Um, like it's broken I have all these rashy things all over it actually goes further back okay you know so, so I learned at a very young age that I wasn't important Mm. and that I wasn't really good at anything. Um, and so a symptom of, of, for me of not believe or believing that I wasn't important was that I didn't need to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't really have many people in my life who were genuinely happy, Mm, you know, So, so people who were at an adult age, um, were stuck in what I've coined the, the treadmill cycle. Like it's, school, work, eat, entertainment, sleep. That's all mm-hmm. you got to work with. Right. And fit uh, it all into, I don't know, however many hours you're awake. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so uh, the, the prospect of growing to adulthood mm-hmm. and living an unhappy life, like the rest of the people I knew who, you know, at, at family gatherings and out in public, they'd wear some mask that, you know, tried to convince people that they were happy, but it was easy to tell just watching body language and, you know, kind of seeing the same people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It was clear that none of them were genuinely happy. 
and that these masks only just sort of hid what was really going on. Yeah. You know, so, so I viewed adulthood as this charade and, yeah. you know, so I, I didn't have any interest in getting there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I, I went through my adolescence and teens and, and through college and, and that sort of assuming I wouldn't make it there. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself. Really, the only thing I was doing that was healthy was riding my mountain bike, which kept me sort of fit and lean, but not healthy. Um, yeah. And so that one singular outlet wasn't enough to to really give me any sense of wellness or any sense that I would make it to adulthood and, you know, remain healthy and, and mm -hmm. happy. Yeah. I, you know, my own mindset was pretty poisonous to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, yeah. Health wise, life. life and career success, definitely. Something you said uh, was about how you felt like you didn't feel like you, um, I can't remember the words you said. It was like, you weren't worth it. You weren't worthy. You weren't important. Are, are you familiar? I'm sure that you're familiar with like things like Louise Hay and like how things that we think of, you know, create physical manifestation, like disease. Are you familiar with her work? I'm not familiar with her, her oh, name, okay. no, but I, okay. I have heard the premise through other sources. So I, yeah. I yeah. So it's, sure. it's, you know, she's kind of, I think, you know, made that work popular and then it has spread. But, you know, I was a massage therapist for many, many years and uh, working with other people's physical bodies. And I heard, in fact, I've heard from people with psoriasis to be exact, kind of that same idea. And so when you said that right in the beginning of the answer to that question, I was like, yeah, you're changing your mindset did fix your health, you know, your physical health issue as well, for sure. I think it did. I believe it did because somebody once told me, and I'm probably going to totally butcher this, but the mindset that will often be attached to an autoimmune disease, specifically psoriasis is what you said. Oh, like I don't belong. Well, your body is going to say, yes, you do. Like you're going to show up like an extra flared up, ready to go. Yeah. Here I am. Yeah, I just find that really interesting that you said. No kidding. That. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's very insightful. It is. So I believe that it helped you. And I see that you're helping other people with, I think helping people with their mindset is going to help them with all parts of their health. Before we run out of time, because it's going fast, I saw that you are part of a book project called Dare to Be Authentic. And was that released in 2021? It was. Uh, okay. It came out in July. The woman who, who hosts the Dare to be Authentic podcast mm -hmm. is this gal, Mari Mitchell. And so I did an interview, I guess, similar to this with her last December or maybe January. And um, after the interview, she invited me to get in on the book. And, and this is a book she's put together several times. This year's version is about finding your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so she mentioned that it seemed like my story fit very well with the, the premise of the book. And she asked me to just sort of tell my story of how I found the purpose of, of helping people, you know, get, get past mindset challenges and, and other issues in their lives to 
be genuine and happy and, and authentic and vulnerable and all those great things, mm-hmm. um, which of course society teaches us <laughs> are all bad things. <laughs> yes. um, and We're so changing that though, that damn society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, sh- she invited me to get in on the book. She said, mm-hmm. you know, your part is 5,000 words. And that took me off guard because even in college, I never wrote a paper of of anywhere near that length. Right. And so then once I started writing and I've heard this is very common, it just sort of started flowing. Mm -hmm. And before too long, I was asking her how far past 5,000 words I could go Very um, to do that. So yeah, it's been a super fun, awesome project it was an opportunity to get published. It was mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity to open some doors that are not open to individuals who are not published. So that was a great step. I'm not super concerned about selling a ton of the books. I, I really just wanted to find an outlet for getting my story out there yeah. and see what happens. And yeah. so I find myself telling the story over and over again, but I don't find it boringly repetitive I I think it just it's anytime people are burdened with things that are holding them down and find a way to to escape that burden I think helps other people see their own lives in a different light and helps them maybe recognize things within themselves that are burdensome and if tied to limiting beliefs they're not even real so It was just, it was a great project. It was really fun. That's awesome. Take you out of your comfort zone for sure. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which can be super healing. You know, it's scary, but it can be healing. Do you have any, now that you've done it and how many words did you write? Uh, She let me do 5250. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So do you have plans to do some more writing or something? I mean, to continue, like you said, tell your story. Yeah. Um, and so getting outside of, of the realm of telling my story, mm-hmm. one of the other co-authors invited me. We have yet to meet on this, but her idea is to create a cookbook for kids. And I just thought that was a super cool idea. Several other people had approached me about writing a cookbook. Mm. And I think maybe that'll be my next project after this collaboration. It just sounded like such a great idea to offer up something for kids um, that is fully natural and organic and, you know, and and devoid of these super common food toxins, just to kind of show young people that you can eat healthy food and it doesn't have to taste yucky. Yeah. Wonderful. As a parent, I think that's an amazing idea. And, you know, as a parent that, yeah, that's something super important to our family is, you know, feeding our kids the healthy, less uh, mainstream type diet for sure. So I, I'm looking forward to that. I want you to do it. And then you need to let me know when you do. <laughs> then I'll have you back on talk about Absolutely. Yes, please keep sharing your story because just like you said, it will help other people. I think we all have a story to share that's going to help somebody. And, you know, going on all these different platforms to share it is wonderful because you're going to reach different people and at different times where they're wherever they're at in their life and it's it's going to click I want to I want to ask you for some some tips here and and specifically for those of us who have been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and it you know unfortunately 
it is more common. And because like you said, it has a lot to do with our environmental toxins and especially what we put in our body, what we've been like, how our cells develop, how we grow. Like my husband has Renaud's and I think that stems from him being raised on a, not a very nutritious diet and I have celiac disease and there's, I'm, I have all kinds of theories on that. But, um, for those of us that are diagnosed with the autoimmune disease, or even just suspect that we have it, but what are some steps someone could take today or this week to start getting a handle on that really start healing? Sure. I think the the first step in any sort of change like this is heightening awareness. And so raising their awareness around what they're putting in their body, mm-hmm. their awareness of, about what they think of themselves and their internal dialogue. Like if they make a mistake, do they beat themselves up real bad or do they take it as a learning experience mm-hmm. and, and move on? And so gaining awareness around that type of thing can really make a huge, huge difference. So then beyond that, the awareness around what they're putting on their body, you know, the skin is very permeable and man-made toxins are often designed to soak right in. And so aware awareness around what they're using to clean their home, you know, bleach and, and many other products that are full of you know, you see the word fragrance. Well, that, that word alone equals something pretty bad. If they're not telling you where it came from, then it's man-made and it's, it's unlikely to be uh, good for your health. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, I'm failing to remember the name of it, but there was a 40 year study done in France on the perfume industry. What they found out is that with the control group, they got rid of all toxins in their life except the perfume or the or the cologne, mm-hmm. and then the other control group completely got rid of toxins. And so what they found is that with these substances that we breathe in, it's a super quick journey from breathing it into directly into the the blood system and thence out to all the cells. Yeah. Uh, and there's very little filtering going on when we breathe in toxins. And so what they found out is that the group who dropped toxins were able to completely detoxify their systems and um, live much healthier lives. The ones who um, got rid of all toxins except the, the fragrances found it very difficult to detox because it was just this constant day after day, hours and hours and hours of breathing in these toxic mm-hmm. substances. And so the body was really unable to, you know, slow that train down. Um, Really, it's like figuring out what in your life has no basis in nature and becoming aware of that. I think that's the first step. It's like we're natural creatures. We have a connection with the earth, but another lesson from society is that we're utterly separate and that we're better than natural creatures yeah you know and that we don't have to worry about that stuff and so I, i think simple steps at first are just sort of raising your awareness around those types of things what am i putting in or on my body what am i cleaning with what am i exposed to and then you know what what am i thinking and yeah it's my internal dialogue so those seem like the best first step Uh, And then from there, it can lead to decision-making that helps you kind of get away from some of that stuff. Yeah. 
Definitely. And have you found, I know this is true for me, when you get away from that stuff, we'll just go back to fragrance. I mean, I came from the days of, you know, party light candles and all those plug-in smelly things. And then, you know, for my parents, it was, I won't name a name brand, but you know, all the sprays. And then they came out with the more natural one in the nineties. It was supposed to be better. And when I got away from all that and all I use now for fragrance are essential oils, I'm so bothered by like, you know, for perfume, I used to wear all the perfumes and my husband, even when I met him 13 years ago, still he, you know, we were, he was doing cologne and we finally got, just got rid of all that. Now we're super sensitive and I find that a good thing to be sensitive to all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wore polo as a kid and, yeah. then, you know, <laughs> and, and now when I smell something that's man-made, mm-hmm. it's almost as if it attacks my sinuses. Right. Yes. Like there's just this like very negative reaction to where my body's like, whoa, you are in the wrong environment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like our first protection, right? I mean, yeah. It, it's telling us something. If, if it's not making you feel good, like you said, it attacks you immediately. Think of what it's going to do to your body. And we become so desensitized to it. I mean, we all know, like you stop smelling things because, you know, even with essential oils, you know, I, I, I stopped smelling it. The diffuser goes all day and I'm not smelling it anymore, but the people coming in my house are, I don't feel bad about though, that though. It's not harming us, but it, it is when you're using that that toxic chemical crap. I think there was another question I had, but oh yes, just one more. You talk about the protocol and we're not, we don't have enough time to go way into this, but how would somebody find that protocol that you found that helped you with your psoriasis? Do you present, do you have something written up? I I know what worked with me Mm -hmm. um, and it, I can't think of the guy's name offhand maybe psoriasis revolution or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I took his steps Mm -hmm. and kind of made them my own as far as what I I resonated with, I guess, out of his direction that the protocol is like, become aware of what you're putting in your body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, with a lot of the same stuff we've been we've been talking about okay, get away cool. from environmental toxins and then, and then detox heavy metals. They're all relatively simple and down to earth, but then when you lump them all together, it feels like, holy cow, I'm going from here to the top of Everest in one right. step. So if we can just sort of take each step as it's, as its own and understand how it's affecting our, our bodies and, and our minds, one of the big parts of the, the protocol was the step of understanding the difference between real stress and imagined stress. Um, You know, so we were stressful creatures, but that's because our ancient ancestors used stress as a very useful tool. And when there was a bear coming, Mm -hmm. that stress would help them escape. Yeah. Um, And so modern day men is in that fight or flight mode almost all the time because of the constant imagined stress, you know? So the, the steps of the protocol mirror pretty much everything that I've found out about taking care of the mind, body, and and being, I wish I could 
give you the name. No, that. that's okay. Yeah. So I would just say, I'm just thinking as you're talking is that uh, whether it's psoriasis or any other health challenge that somebody has, I'm just going to give you a plug. They should just reach out to you. You have the tools and resources to help someone through all kinds of different physical, mental health challenges, uh, you know, mindset, all of that. So that's just what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this for you. Just reach out to Christian. Before we say goodbye, is there anything else that you would like to add? So you mentioned um, like physical health and and mental health. Mm -hmm. I think a really important part of healing is emotions. And, And we talked about this before where it's like, we're only allowed this tiny little bit of emotion. And so what I, what I teach is to recognize emotions when they come, Mm -hmm. take a second to recognize it and to be aware of what the emotion is telling. And so there's a lesson there. Every time an emotion shows up, there's a lesson there. And if we dismiss the emotion because it isn't appropriate or because Um, we're in public and we're not just plain old happy and we can learn the lesson of what it's trying to teach us then we can let it move on its way without having to dismiss it when we dismiss Mm -hmm. it it's very likely to come back as something perhaps even more intense the next time because we're not getting that message And, and so until we get the message that that the emotions are trying to tell us we're sort of stuck in this cycle of you know, being um, at the emotions mercy. And, and when they show up, we are utterly stuck in that moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to figure a way to, to get rid of it because it's inconvenient or because it showed up at the wrong time or because it's um, triggering us or because, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that that happens or, or manifests itself. But I, I think allowing yourself the moment to understand emotions when they show up and understand what they're trying to teach us can be incredibly valuable in, in trying to heal and become the person we're, we're trying to be. Nice. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. And that made me think of what you said earlier about body stuff, physical stuff that comes up. It's, it's the same. If we really tap into that and try to hear the message it it's extremely beneficial. So thank you for all your wisdom, your insight, and for sharing your story. I I think a lot of people will be inspired by it. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, Amber. I I absolutely appreciate this, this whole thing. You're, you're, you're great at your, at what you do. And I, I I, I love it. That's why (laughs) I can tell, you know, you just, you're, you're sort of joyful as you're doing it, which is, which is awesome. And, well, thank you. So I, thank you I for, for reflecting that. that. Yeah. You know, uh, I've always liked to talk and I like asking questions, so it works well. That's awesome. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection and follow me on Instagram at the Dragonfly Mama so we can stay in touch between episodes.